0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Pepper Hastings, the early days of Beckett Baseball Card Monthly. I guess there were applications to some of the other uh, publications as well, but mainly the Baseball Magazine, which was the only one when Pepper came to work. It talks about some of the really strategic and important contributors o- over those uh, early years and throughout. So enjoyed uh, reminiscing with Pepper. Thanks uh, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards. Heritage Auctions, Huntington Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. So enjoy this uh, conversation and uh, as I did. and uh, Welcome Pepper. Talk about uh, the early days of, of Beckett Publications and some of the really strong editorial contributors. You were the first editorial guy I, I hired. I remember you coming in and interviewing you. I knew I'd enjoy working with you. You were a, more of a baseball fan than a sports card collector, but it all melded together over the years. Your ability to work with people and really not just the work that you did, but the, your ability to bring in others remotely as well as in person really helped build our company. So thanks for that, Pepper. But tell us about those early days in the editorial aspect where we were getting up-and-comers as well as established writers. I don't know where you were getting all these people, but somehow you were sourcing some of these uh, individuals, some of whom have gone on to great success, where we gave them a shot. You gave them a shot, Pepper. So thanks and, and tell us how that happened because you yeah well it thanks, the next level thanks again for having me on I started in
1: 1986 and I didn't think I'd make it to 1987 when I put a card show ad in Beckett that got published and I forgot to put the place and I couldn't take it back because it wasn't on you know a website unfortunately it was <laughs> printed for a month that way so that was a big mistake yeah so it wouldn't be right to talk about our editorial without explaining what the editorial philosophy or the editorial um, policy of Beckett publications was and three prongs to it. Uh, an editorial piece had to have superstar orientation. In other words, a, a mediocre piece about Daryl Strawberry was better than a really great piece on Rob Deere. Okay. Our readers were superstar focused. Philosophical point was keep a positive tone. And so there's, it's easy to complain in the hobby about things that are wrong. And we see it every day in news groups. Now it wasn't quite as apparent, but we got a lot of letters and complaining and complaining. Our job was maybe to find things that were wrong, but offer positive answers to how they could be fixed. The Rick face bat knob was a good example. The Billy Ripkin bat knob had an obscenity on the knob. Some people chose to call it one thing that started with an F and an F. We chose to call it Rick face, which started with an R Keep it positive. And then the third tenant was no investment advice. In other words, the price guide stood on its own. That was a reporting of what happened in the past month. And we did not want to run any speculative articles about trying to lead kids or adult collectors on what to buy and, and where to buy it from. Would you agree, Jim?
0: Yeah, yes, I would agree. I think that was the, the fourth one, perhaps, was, you know, no super long articles. I think <laughs> before you got involved, I think we had some writers that were running amok. I think we were paying by the word <laughs> and we were getting what we were paying for. But superstar orientation, people got that. The positive tone, I, I think that's really was good for our longevity as well as the investment advice. We, you can't be wrong if you're not giving advice. But it's hard. We wanted to have a timely but retrospective price guide. And the editorial needed to keep pace with that. I think you were an excellent example. One of your jobs, I think, in the early days was being a little bit of a liaison because you manage the technical the price guide guys, but also the editorial. And keeping those both on the same page and abiding by those rules was an important part of our success, I think.
1: Yeah. And you talked about pain, but one of our writers was Joe Posnanski.
0: Riddell.
1: And Joe Piznanski, if you're in the Kansas City area, listen to this, he spent quite a few years at, at the Star, and he, he was an AP writer for a while, an SI writer, and he was twice columnist of the year in the Associated Press sports editors. Written several books, but I looked on his website the other day. Was, um, he,
0: was he in his teens when he started writing for us?
1: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, he wrote a series called The Best at What They at Do. What They Do, right. And it was great because it was very superstar oriented and let us talk about a superstar on all the cards and also talk about what they did on the field. But on his website, on his blog site, which is very popular under About Me, it says, what else can I tell you about myself? I've been a professional writer since I was 19 years old and I got paid three cents per word to write a story for a baseball card magazine called Beckett Monthly. My first check was for something like $33.18 and I would have framed it except that I needed the money. (laughs) <laughs> unquote.
0: <laughs> well, we didn't discriminate regardless of the age. W- what I think was good is we had an expert staff. So even if we were farming these articles out, we had at one end of the spectrum, we had you at the other end of the spectrum, we had Rich Klein. If something came in it, it needed to be legit. And and what Joe wrote was good journalism, not for his age, but just good. And same as the other. But Rich had the hobby stuff down. If he would have screened it for that, and, and you certainly had the baseball stuff down.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Joe was a great find. And I think he wrote into us, he found us and just came up with an idea and it was outstanding. Another guy that we had that you found, Jim, was a guy by the name of Richard West. And I think yeah. that basically you purchased a book that he wrote yeah. for three cents a word. And he wrote a an ongoing series of articles that I think might have gone twenty four to twenty six parts. I think it was infinite pepper. Yeah. I,
0: think, <laughs> I think we may have reduced the cents per word by a penny or something. Right, and he it was he called. Could, uh, he could have gone
1: forever. He yeah, could have gone was, forever. He was called collecting an American experience, if I remember correctly. And it was almost like a Ken Burns type of uh, writing where he would go with the Depression in the background and then talk about the cards that were there during and how the United States was in a tumultuous time, collectors pulled through, and very dramatic writing. (laughs) Filled up a lot of
0: pages. Can you tell me a little about who Richard West was? Yeah, he wrote a book. His book, I think, is about TV Westerns, and it's fascinating, and it's self-published. But he was a character, a lot of personality. He used to live in the San Antonio area, so I'd see him at some of the... Uh, Shows around Texas. He was very outgoing, but apparently very industrious. As soon as I start paying by the word, we were negotiating, and I think it got to three cents. (laughs) And so he'd write these uh, 20,000 word stories or something. And I'd say, We don't have room for that. He said, Well, fine, serialize it.
1: You had those in the can when I showed up, and I just started running them and started looking for somebody else. But some other guys that really made a difference in us getting to be bigger uh, one was Tom Wheatley. And Tom was dad. Yeah. And Tom was a sports writer at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I had a newspaper background, so I had no trouble talking turkey with sports writers and calling around to try to find some guys that were willing to write for us. And Tom was one of them. And that got us into the National League clubhouse. The other guy that got us in the American League clubhouse was Dave DeLand up in Minnesota, who wrote for the Tribune, was sports editor, ended up being there for 30 years. So now... When players came through town in those clubhouses, we had somebody that could go ask them some collecting questions, some autograph signing questions, some other stuff that we wouldn't be able to get from just the AP wire, or just the stuff we read in other magazines. So I think having Wheatley and Deland helped us not just for stories, but strategically it helped us get additional photographers down the road that worked for the newspapers or press in those areas. Um, one other guy that really helped us get our columns going was Don Loving out of Oregon. He was a collector. He wrote in a Reader's Write question one time that looked like a guy that could actually think and write and had something behind it. And I contacted him and he wrote for years a column called Collecting Tips. And they were good collecting tips because, Jim, we had readers of all ages and all up and down the spectrum of
0: experience. The whole idea in life, I think, it's good to have a skill, but it's even better to have more than one skill. If you have the skill of being an expert collector and being able to write... You can marry those together and make a career in many cases. And it's just great to be writing about things you like, that you love. So that was terrific, Pepper.
1: Yeah. So those guys really helped us out. And then I, I wanted to bring up a controversial column that we ran every month for a few years. It was called Kids Corner, written by Tom Wheatley Jr., which I think Tom yeah. Wheatley Jr. and Tom collaborated on. Well, and they-
0: it was all they, the son's
1: work. My kid was 10 at the time, but people used to love to take pot shots. It's like getting ripped on Twitter these days. You'd say something and everybody's piling on. So they piled on Tommy a little bit, but they were reading it or they wouldn't have piled on. <laughs> and the same thing with Backpage, you know, the column I had. Yeah. People would rip me about it and, and I, it was fine because at least somebody was reading.
0: Ripping me about the price guides. So that's...
1: Oh yeah, it's okay, okay. to get ripped. And I also want to mention um, Fred Reed the Third who was a very good writer and, and a great editor and a really good guy that knew his way around a lot of other collectibles writers. And he helped us uh, get uh, several people in over the years.
0: Fred had the skill of organization. Mm-hmm. That, he was very structured. He set up structure that made things run smoothly. Plus, like you said, he had these other skills that were applied to our benefit.
1: Correct. And most of the people I've talked about here, Jim, were part of the early baseball days. You could go on and on with the football, hockey, basketball, and all the other stuff that we've done. But I did want to mention, it's hard to get by without mentioning Rich Klein, who wrote the flagship articles. In other words, the intro to how to collect football cards, the intro to how to collect basketball cards. Those were the first articles in those volume one, issue one magazines. And he always came through on time. That was before he was on our staff.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about the artists and the photographers. I hired you, and that gave us some editorial presence back in was that eighty five or eighty six? What was it? Uh, eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah, but we didn't have anything for that really. If we did, it wasn't a, at the standard. But I get the credit for Brad Newton, <laughs> not for his skill, and Jerry Hirsch, the 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 primary artist and the primary photographer. Beyond that, I think you. At some point, you took that over and you, the photographers that you brought in were amazing. Not that Brad was bad, but Brad was an American League Rangers photographer, was terrific. And then Jerry Hirsch was doing some of the inside cover art, black and white charcoal. And we branched out into other artists and then had an art contest. I know Fred had a hand in that too. But looking back, those are warm memories.
1: Yeah. Every
0: yeah. Brad appreciated a cover, somebody took that picture.
1: Yeah, Brad Newton was definitely number one in the Beckett Photo Hall of Fame for sure. And then I think right behind him would have been Rich Pilling and Tom DePace because they were national photographers that didn't mind sending their slides to us. And that's how we had to do it back then. They had to actually send the slides in and they didn't mind tying them up for two or three weeks while we made a decision on a cover. They didn't mind getting paid $300 for a cover shot. They wanted their stuff published and they're both
0: still very active in shooting. And make a personal choice because if they send all their stuff in, then we'd have to go that direction. They were deferring a sure thing to give us a shot, weren't they?
1: Yes. Yeah. And they, I think they liked the, the way, let's face it, our covers were great ways to sh- showcase their talent. You get on a Beckett cover, it was clean. It had very few blurbs, superstar oriented that in that respect because the covers were collectible in themselves up to a point.
0: But then there's a million copies of some of those <laughs> Going around, so it's a billboard too. It always seemed to me that we got a good deal. Was that you that engineered a fee structure for our writers and our photographers that wasn't unfair? It was arm's length, but it just seemed like we got a pretty good deal.
1: It was better than three cents a word for sure. Yeah. It, it was competitive, not with Sports Illustrated. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, it was competitive with any other magazine. Those were amazing days and getting up to a million circulation and going to the American Magazine Association meetings. And they're saying, who are you again? You're not in New York. It's like really strange. But anyway, those guys are the guys that helped you and us get to where we got to editorially.
0: Did any of the writers ever complain? You mentioned Don Loving, but Reader's Write in the early days was the, the biggest part of our editorial thrust. And over time, it shrunk a little bit. And we had these outstanding writers, but what was the interaction there? Because most magazines don't have that extensive of a letters to the editor.
1: We were always looking for ways to have readers interact. And this is before the internet. How do you do that through print? You have fun cards. You have readers write. You have the hot list. You have stuff that they can vote on. You have contests, anything just to get people interactive and then show their responses so other people can see it. It's just social media is all it is.
0: Should we have copyrighted that or trademarked or patented? It? <laughs> well, you had the payphone project. Maybe that's that's <laughs> so cool that uh, you're finally getting the national credit you deserve, uh, Pepper. <laughs> Overnight sensation, right? Overnight after a couple of decades, maybe. Some of these guys really helped. Not only did they help our magazines be successful and our company be successful, but they helped us to enjoy it more. I think everybody enjoyed it when we had great outside contributors that were writers and outside contributors that were photographers. It gave us a magazine we could really be proud of. I I think that was a bigger deal than I realized at the time. I, I really appreciate you making sure that our quality standard was not just about an accurate price guide, but the price guide was in the middle of a sandwich that had great photos as well as articles that were Uh, relevant and and well-written.
1: There's no doubt that people bought the magazine for the price guide, but I think the editorial made it even more sticky.
0: I hope so. It's not ancient history because they're still going. So Pepper, thanks. Your legacy continues to live on. What a great uh, treat to have that feather in both our caps. Thanks listeners. We'll be back again tomorrow.